Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to another edition of Power 5 Sports Podcast. Alongside Alex Maxwell, I'm Jake Gorwitz. It's Thursday, March 7th, and we're here in the studio to bring you episode 66. On today's show, we're going to get you all caught up on the latest news surrounding the NBA. Most teams have around 18 games left in the regular season, so we'll take a look at the playoff picture as it stands today, some teams that are hot at the right time, some teams that need to get back on track before the postseason, and lastly, discuss our favorites to win the season awards such as the MVP, 6th Man, and Defensive Player of the Year. That sounds like a great show to me. If, you don't, if you're not excited for NBA basketball and these topics, I don't know what's wrong with you. These are beautiful. Jake, there's going to be a lot of opinions today, a lot of hot takes. Are you ready to get into this? I'm fired up. Let's get oh. this show on the road. Starting with the Eastern Conference, who else to talk about besides the Milwaukee Bucks? Number one right now, Giannis Adetokounmpo is leading the charge. What are you seeing out of Milwaukee? You said it. Giannis Antetokounmpo is playing at an MVP level, and Mike Budenholzer, the head coach, is probably the favorite to win Coach of the Year. We'll get into that later, but who would have thought that this team would be the first to clinch a playoff spot in the East? When you think of Milwaukee, you don't think of like domination. You don't think of number one in the East. You know, you just think of like mediocre in the past, but now that they have Giannis and Mike Budenholzer as their coach, they've clearly flipped the switch on over here. Well, especially with the off-season moves, Kawhi goes to Toronto. How about the trade deadline acquisitions mm. of Tobias Harris mm-hmm. and Jimmy Butler going to Philadelphia? Who would have thought? Not to mention the Celtics' star-studded lineup. Right. The Milwaukee Bucks, first in the Eastern Conference? That is just crazy. They're in the driver's seat. <laughs> they clearly are. I mean, you just, you just named you know, all the teams around them that are really good. But when talking about the Bucks, you got to remember that they're a very complete team. They're a very loaded team. And since they've gotten Eric Bledsoe, Chris Middleton, and Giannis together on the same court, that's a really good team. That's a really solid team. And they're number one for a reason. Well, I, I think for any matchup that they face in the postseason or in the regular season, doesn't matter. They are so prepared because of their depth. And I think their depth will take them quite a ways mm-hmm. come playoff time. Tony Snell and DJ Wilson are unbelievable assets coming off the bench. You have Brooke Lopez is turning into a three-point shooter. Yeah. This guy is not afraid to pull up from long range. Seven-footer that shoots deep. I, I What are we doing in the NBA nowadays? Talking about height, how about a couple nights ago when the Bucks started four players 6'10 or taller? Oh you have Giannis... Ilyasova, Miritich, and Brooke Lopez. Oh my gosh, that's terrifying. And then you add a six foot eight Chris Middleton oh to the starting gosh. lineup. That is just crazy. But they have all of their bases covered. It's not like they only have height. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Eric Bledsoe. They added George Hill. Yeah. They are both two above average guards. Right. And then the depth um, that we talked about with Snell and DJ Wilson. And you can't forget about Malcolm Brogdon. No, a, no, no. Averaging a quiet 16 points per that game. That is so quiet. Nobody talks about Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, he is a super reliable guard that you just have in your arsenal. Milwaukee's really good. I have no worries 
about Milwaukee when it comes to the playoffs. None. I agree. What are we thinking for the Toronto Raptors? What's going on in the North? You know, this, nothing really new. I mean, the Raptors dominate the season. Yeah, great job. They get first, second, third. For the last few years, they've been sweet. But it doesn't really matter, it seems like. They can't get over the hump. You know, before, they people named it as Lebronto because Lebron always owned the East. And it looks like Giannis is king of the East now. So, I mean, the Raptors are having a great season. Don't get me wrong. Kyle Lowry, Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green, I mean, Serge Ibaka, they're all playing very well. But I just don't see them getting over the hump. And I, I'm not making a big deal out of their season right now because they haven't gotten over the hump. How can you? Let me name a difference maker. Mark Gasol. Bringing him to Toronto, I think, will prove to be absolutely crucial. He, I mean, he's a stud. Yeah. He's one of the premier big men, especially in his in his prime. You know, he he's still got it. There's, I, I have no doubt in his uh, in his ability to play. You have the emergence of Pascal Siakam. Yeah. Danny Green, a three point shooter. We all know that this is a run and gun league. And Kawhi Leonard is a lockdown defender. OG Ananobi a young rising star in the NBA. I think that this might be the year for the Raptors to make it far in the playoffs and have a shot at going to the finals. Mm. Well, I mean, you, you could say that just about every year. But I think this might you be think the that, year. That, okay, that's your thought. That's your hot take that the Raptors finally get over the hump. Is that what you're going with? I wouldn't go as far as saying that they get over the hump, but I would say maybe expect them to be playing the Warriors in the NBA mm. final. I'm going to say I'm going to come out with here with a hot take saying that they're in like some type of like purgatory where they're they're kind of stuck in the middle, you know? They're they're never going to get over that hump unless they do something drastic. And I don't think Kawhi is the he, Kawhi is very similar to DeMar and I think they're going <laughs> to I think they're going to stay think it's the same old story. I think they're going to stay second forever. <laughs> Well, do you, do you see Milwaukee going farther than I Toronto? Do. I do. I 100% see okay. Milwaukee going farther. Okay. I don't Okay. What about the Pacers? We'll keep what an we, eye on that. What are we seeing out of them? This has been a tough year for the Pacers. Victor Oladipo going down. I mean, just a year ago, he was the most improved player in the right. NBA. Um, but really unfortunate. Give, give the Pacers credit. I mean, to be third... In the Eastern Conference standings right now, I think that the emergence of Demonis Sabonis has been huge um, for the Pacers and Miles Turner. Yeah, I mean Miles Turner, he's being looked at as a potential Defensive Player of the Year candidate. Um, Tyreek Evans mm-hmm. is an underrated shooter. So obviously, you have pieces as far as playoffs. Don't expect them to make noise, but give. Credit where credit is due because Oladipo was a big loss. Yeah, it's really unfortunate what happened with Oladipo, but you got to look at one guy who's healthy, and that's Miles Turner. The Pacers have, he's exceeded the Pacers' expectations by far. I mean, the dude is a freak. He's a long, athletic, agile center who is up, he's up for debate for uh, Defensive Player of the Year, averaging nearly three blocks a game. And right now, he's kind of the guy that everyone relies on uh, now that Vic's out. But, mm, yeah, you got to give him credit. They're, they're not backing down, and it doesn't even really look like on the in the standings that Victor Oladipo was ever hurt. 
because, you know, they're still third and they're playing great basketball, but it's unfortunate that Victor, Victor Oladipo got hurt. Otherwise, I think they would be even better. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. There's no doubt about it. What about Philly? Philly, they are looking to win now. I think that there's no question about it. The front office, the players, they are all looking to make an immediate impact in the playoffs. Well, that's clear with the Tobias Harris trade. I mean, they literally want their cards to be stacked against everybody else. They have ball players in their starting lineup. Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, J.J. Redick. That's their starting five, folks. I mean, that's really good. And the fact that all of those guys are like contributing and there are stars, it's, it's crazy to think that Philly was bad four years ago, like really bad. So, I mean, the process is trusted. I'm... I think Philly has a legit shot now to go far. I think them and Milwaukee and the next team we're going to talk about, Boston, have the best shot. But I don't know. I think it's they do have some struggles, though. They do lose to teams that they shouldn't lose to. They do sometimes stoop down to you know, teams' levels that they shouldn't be down to. They're a, such a superior ball team to most of the NBA, and they got to play like it. I think something that will be vital come playoff time is the fact that they just have so many playmakers Mm -hmm. because on many teams you're in a situation where if your best player doesn't have a great night then nobody else is there to pick up the slack but you have perennial Mm all-stars all over the place Joel Embiid another defensive player of the Mm -hmm. year candidate Ben Simmons I mean he he's a court general yeah yeah he brings up the ball he's Tosses dimes. He does, yeah. On a daily basis. Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris. If one of those guys has a quiet night, you can still rely on like three other guys. You know? It's crazy how deep they are. Strength in numbers. They that that's the bottom line for this. Strength in numbers. That's that's what they got. And that's gonna like you said, that's gonna come up clutch when it comes playoff time. I think end of the story. It's true. I think one of the most important factors to look at is their recognition that this is their window to win. Mm-hmm. J.J. Redick has said it in multiple interviews. For himself personally, his window of time to play left in the NBA, it's closing. Mm-hmm. The Philadelphia 76ers, this is their time. Right. Maybe not this year, but you have to take steps towards that ultimate goal of winning a championship. They've planted, and it starts now. Yeah, they've it planted a seed in Philly, and they want that seed to grow into an NBA championship. And that's what they got. They, they have a chance. They have a chance to have that organization win. And that's something we haven't been able to say for a long time for Philly. What about Boston? They, looking at the beginning of the year, everyone thought Boston was going to be number one. Right now they sit at number five. With all that talent, why are they number five? That is absurd. They're not playing up to their standards, you know, but to give them credit, they are starting to click right now, but Gordon Hayward just dropped 30 the other night. But, you know, Jason Tatum, Kyrie, Gordon Hayward, you just got to win with these guys, and they're not really milking all their talent out, you know what I mean? It's... 
This is probably the toughest question in the NBA to answer. Why is this team not performing? Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand. The pieces aren't meshing. You have all of the talent in the world. Yeah. Probably more than Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I said this at the beginning of the season, preseason, whenever we last discussed you know team expectations. This team, the starting five... It's comparable the, to Golden State. The second unit... Mm-hmm. This might be the deepest team oh, in the NBA. In the NBA. Sure. I mean, that's that's up for debate, but Kyrie Irving, mm-hmm. I mean, you just take a look at his handles. Yeah. Marcus Smart will get in your face. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to be matched up against him. Jason Tatum, Al Horford, Terry Rozier, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, you go down the list. Like, these guys are are ball players, and I don't understand why they're not winning. It you know it's tough to say that oh the Celtics aren't winning because they're still what are they fourteen games above five hundred? Mm-hmm. But this is a team that should be atop the Eastern Conference. A very weak Eastern Conference, top heavy at least. Yes, yeah, I think top heavy is a better way to say yeah. it. But. I think that's a great point. Boston is they got there's they're kind of throwing away their talent almost. Brad Stevens is also an extraordinary coach and the fact that Gordon Hayward coached him in college, it's just the experience is there, the chemistry is there. I don't know. Marcus Morris said though that they're not having fun a few weeks ago. He's out there's been multiple Kyrie Irving things about just him in the media just Maybe Kyrie's a distraction. I don't know. There's there's definitely something. I'd say there's more. It's more likely that something's going on off the court than something's going on on the court. You know what I mean? Locker room turmoil. I'm not there, but it's affecting their play, and it's kind of obvious. They're not a cohesive group. No. They haven't been for a while, and I don't know how soon this problem will get mm-hmm. resolved. As far as outside noise... I think that this whole idea in the NBA of tampering could be getting to the minds of players. You know, maybe front offices aren't reaching out to Kyrie Irving, but it's hard to ignore all of the outside voices. Well, is Kyrie going to the Knicks? You know, what's he going to do when free agency hits? Well, what if the Knicks get Zion and then they have all of this cap space? Well, are they going to go after... You know, KD, Clay, Kyrie. The whole nine if, yards, yeah. If I was Kyrie, if I was all of these players on the Celtics roster, look at your current situation. Look at the guys that you have around you. Look to look to the guys to your left and right. This is a team with potential to win an NBA championship this year. Mm-hmm. And I understand that they haven't been playing uh well at all this this season compared to what we thought they would be like mm-hmm. but I wouldn't want to play them in the playoffs no not at all if I was Philadelphia I would be doing everything that I can to get that 3 seed and to leapfrog the Pacers because I don't want to play the Celtics in the first round no no both teams got something to play for and yeah I think real quick Kyrie Irving said this in an interview that you know, when you see stuff on social media and you don't confront it to some man's face, you know, you get 
feelings and opinions about people that you shouldn't have. You know what I mean? It's it's like a everything's everyone's talking behind everyone's back kind of feel. That's what it is. So I don't know. I think Boston they got to figure it out. They got to have a team meeting and they got to address some situation off the court. A players only meeting. Wouldn't players hurt. only meeting. A phones away meeting. No social media. Cut the fat. Move on. That's what it's got to be. And Kyrie's got to take control. Take control. So, we'll see. What about Detroit? What a what a transition there to Boston's off the court problems to Detroit. How have they been? <laughs> really well, good. The sixth seed currently, the Detroit Pistons. I'd say this is the fine line between the top tier in the East and mm-hmm. where it starts to go downhill. Yeah. <laughs> but if you've been watching Pistons basketball as of late, they are hot. Mm-hmm. This team is on fire. Finally, they're sitting above 500. They're 32 and 31. All oh, blazing. Oh. They're firing on all cylinders. They this are. team is just. I mean, you turn on Fox Sports Detroit, and this team is a fun. They are group to watch yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. Luke Kennard. I I have to start with him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not the first name you'll bring up when you think of the Detroit Pistons, but Luke Kennard is shooting the living daylights mm-hmm. out of the ball right now. Dropped 26 the other night. Yeah, he's he's feeling more comfortable, and I'm glad that the Pistons are actually giving him a role. You know, they weren't giving him a chance, and he kept saying that in the media. Please, give me a chance. Give me the ball. And he's capitalizing off it. So, good for him. They're using him in the correct way. Well, Finally. There was a reason that he was picked ahead of Donovan Mitchell in that draft. Now, I'm not saying that... Yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah not, you are. Hey, oh, my I, gosh. Hey, I'm not saying that Luke Kennard is better or will ever be better than Donovan Mitchell. But there was a reason that he was a lottery draft pick. That's a fair. Okay, that's a fair statement. Like he wasn't there just because he came out of nowhere right. and had you know yeah. one good stretch yeah, yeah. at Duke. Mm-hmm. He is a very good shooter. And Blake Griffin, Blake Griffin is amazing. Blake he's, Griffin, is- he's my favorite player on the oh. Pistons. What a funny guy. Have you seen those like comedy bits yeah. that Blake Griffin does? Like, or the I I don't know the what roasts. the roast sesh. Those are it's actually funny. He is a funny guy. Yeah. But also, have you seen that? I think it's a YouTube video where he went on that show James with... James uh, No, He's but... He's on a oh, James Corden show. I I don't doubt it for one second. Uh, Blake Griffin was on this one show. The name of it escapes my mind right now. Oh, uh, but it was Hot about, Ones. It was the Hot Ones. Yeah. Yes. The Hot Wings. Yes. Yeah. But, oh my gosh, that... That, that is funny. some funny stuff. That is funny. I could watch that over and over again. Yeah, I think Blake Griffin has hot ones. He has a yes. much better personality than I think people give him credit for. I think he's actually really funny. He's actually so funny, and there's proof of. And I think, you know, you know when uh, was it Reggie Jackson that dumped water on him during a? No, that's what I, that was my next point. When Reggie Jackson started messing around after. I, I don't even know if it was a win or a loss. I think I, it, it was, was a win. It was a win. Reggie Jackson's over here all, you know, all good times, yeah. laughing. But Blake Griffin, he's straight up. He's, yeah. a, he's a real one. Uh-huh. He's not afraid to just get down to business and tell the media, you know, what the real situation is. Mm-hmm. Straight up, you know, the Pistons haven't been good this mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Until recently, mm-hmm. I think they've won. I mean, they're eight and two in their last ten. Maybe yeah. they've won nine or ten of their last twelve, thirteen, something like won that. One three straight. But a couple months ago, Blake Griffin was like, "Yeah, we picked up a win, but we are not 
where we should be right now. Guys aren't giving it their all. You know, the attention, the focus isn't there. A win is a win, but that's just one win out of an 82-game season. Mm. It's pretty much the message that he was sending. And I respect Blake Griffin for that tremendously. Andre Drummond. He's playing very well. He is. And And I think it's clear that he is not a leader on the team. And I'm so happy that the Pistons finally got somebody that kind of picks up for him. You know, He's got the talent to be a leader, but maybe that's just not his personality. And that's totally fine. And Andre Drummond works perfectly in the system that he's in right now. He's gotten so much better shooting, you might add. Did you see him hit that step back three the other night? Yeah. That is the, I mean, that's probably the ugliest shot you'll ever see. The slowest step back in all of the NBA, but. He's shooting free throws. He's making free throws now. Like he, he was like 39%, maybe even below. Horrendous. A few years ago. But now he's well above that. And they're, they're not doing the hack-a-shack on him anymore. You know, they're finally they put finally. some respect on his name. One performance of Andres that really stood out to me was a couple nights ago when the Pistons picked up their second win over the Raptors this season. Andre Drummond got some early stupid fouls. There's no excuse for getting into foul trouble early, but give Andre credit. He played crunch time. He probably played 10 minutes. Yeah. Near the end of the game with four or five fouls on Something him. Something he didn't do in the past. He and never played in the crunch time. Never. Because he couldn't shoot free throws. Free throws. That's the biggest thing. But while in foul trouble, mm-hmm. I, I mean, he, he hung in there and uh, came up big. Yeah. And you already know that that win over the Raptors means the world to head coach Dwayne Casey. Oh, yeah. I, I still don't get why the Raptors let go of him. I the, think that the was, coach of the year, the reason. It wasn't was, the reason. It was more of just a culture change that I think they I think were going what, for. Yeah, yeah it just, definitely wasn't his talent. You need to, you, after coming up short so many years. you got to mix up something. Right, but still, Dwayne Casey. Yeah. He, he's the real deal. I'm so happy they got rid of Stan Van Gundy. That man was a clown, and we're not going to get into that, but two, much two more better things. culture in Detroit. For sure. Two more things to add. Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson. We didn't. We haven't talked about Reggie Jackson. I'm not a big Reggie Jackson fan. I don't really like him at all, to be honest. But lately, he's been playing good basketball. Yeah. And I think that the better Drummond and Jackson continue to play, I think that that will, I hope, that will continue to rise their stock mm-hmm. as far as offseason and potential moves that can be made because I think I don't know you know what Detroit's game plan necessarily is in terms of you know the state of the franchise and the roster but if you're looking to make changes Drummond and Reggie Jackson playing well right now they're making their case will could be useful yeah that's a that's a very fair assessment right there D'Angelo Russell just dropping massive amounts of points game by game. I mean, how have they been doing? I don't I the Nets are kind of coming out of nowhere. Coming out of nowhere. One of the more underrated teams in the NBA, but also in my opinion, one of the most pleasant surprises this year. You mentioned the leadership of D'Angelo Russell and the the development and progression 
with his leadership skills, I think that has been probably the biggest boost for that team that they could have imagined. How about Joe Harris winning, winning the three-point three point contest, contest yep. beating Steph Curry? I mean, just just the little things. Mm-hmm. The little things like having a locker room guy like con- D'Lo and just winning the three-point contest. It's just, yeah. it's just little things that come together to, you know, really get a team in a rhythm, get in a groove. Spencer Dinwiddie has been above average mm-hmm. this year. He's making plays. Uh, Jarrett Allen, I'd say he's, he's a solid talked center. to He's one of the least talked about big guys in the association. I would not want to meet him at the rim. Mm-mm. I mean, have you seen how many guys he has just re- flat out rejected yeah, at the rim? He's an absolute goaltender. Literally. But I got to shout out the uniforms that they wear. The notorious BIG collab with the Brooklyn Nets. You know those like those jerseys that they wear, yeah, like the, the, the Biggie Small sweater. Mm-hmm. Those are fantastic. Shout out to whoever made those. Those are brilliant. Those are the best unis in the NBA. Like the alternates, oh, beautiful. I just had to shout that out real quick. Shout out Biggie Smalls. The Notorious. I just had to say that. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. Miami Heat sitting currently in the 8th. Spot. This is kind of a dying franchise, if if I'm had to say so. I mean, <sighs> Dwayne Wade. How much does, how much time does he have left? A year or two before it this. Really, this is his last. This year. is his last year. Yeah. Uh, Justice Winslow is he's doing okay, but they don't really have a good foundation whatsoever in Miami, and I think this is kind of, you know. You saw it with the Red Wings. If a team makes the playoffs every single year for a long time, and the, the Heat have been dominant for a long time, that ruins your, you know, young young guys, farm system, so to speak. You know what I mean? You don't get good draft picks. And I think this is what we're really seeing in Miami. You just don't see a good foundation anymore. And they're just, I mean, yes, Josh Richardson is very good. And Hassan Whiteside is also a great center, but they're just, they're really shallow. They're not a deep team, and I don't see them being good, you know, in the future years. I think they I think they have a lot of talent, though, and with a good draft class, they can rebuild. Honestly, I think the Heat are just getting bailed out by the competition in their division. That's what I'm saying. In yeah. their division. It's they're brutal. In the, they're in the Southeast division, and listen to their competitors. The Atlanta Hawks, Charlotte Hornets, Orlando Magic, and the Washington Wizards. Just okay, brutal. the Miami Heat. They have a record of thirty and thirty-four, and they're sitting first in the Southeast Division. Oh my gosh, that, that's what I'm saying. They're they're not a good team, and they're like that's said, just. I don't even know how to describe that, but to be leading your division, I know that I know divisions don't mean anything. Come. The conference standings, but just to even be in that position, that is just—I don't know—it's almost embarrassing. Yeah, it is. It's—it's it's almost insulting to the Western Conference, you know, that teams that are way above 500 are like 10th. Right. You know. Well, it's crazy. When you think about it, the Houston Rockets were 14th in the Western Conference much earlier in the season, but that's not even because they had a terrible record. Yes. Let's be real, 
the Rockets were atrocious earlier earlier on in the year, but that was just because of the level of play in the Western Conference. So many teams were just competing for that eighth spot. Mm-hmm. That's why they were 14th. But the Miami Heat, it, it was kind of just a... I'm looking for the right way to put it. It was just almost... It's like an unexpected turnaround around the trade deadline. They were looking at Jimmy Butler. They were considering making a move for him. They got so close. They had deals all set aside, and then it just got torn apart. They have bits and pieces, but they don't have a full squad. I think that's what we're seeing in Miami. What about some, speaking of bad teams, the Bulls and the Knicks, they are horrendous right now. But let's talk about their future. What are you seeing out of them? Chicago Bulls, I'm a huge fan of what they have in store in the near future. I think it's very bright. Zach Levine has taken a massive leap this year. Did you see his game winner yeah. the other night mm-hmm. when I for, who were they, they were playing the 76ers and it was a sideline inbound play and they doubled Robin Lopez mm-hmm. and Zach Levine drove right down the lane, down their throats, and just laid it in to win the game. Jimmy Butler was devastated. Yeah, it's it's hard to describe how athletic Zach Levine is. It really is. He is so good, and I think he's actually a guy that you can build your franchise around straight up. Well, you have Zach Levine. You have a high draft pick. Maybe you get Romeo Langford or a Cam Reddish. Keep in mind that Wendell Carter Jr. is injured mm-hmm. right now. He's a center out of Duke a couple of years ago. It might have been even last draft. I, I, f- so. I forget I think it was. what his draft year was. Laurie Markinen, we've talked about him on past shows. He's he'll be a star one day. He's getting there. And Chris Dunn, he's a he's a fine point guard. Yeah. For right now, I don't see any issues. And they got Otto Porter Jr. Yes, yes, yes. They the thing is they have no depth, and. They're they're pretty good. Their starting five actually isn't that bad, but it's not. I would play with them in two K. Yeah, I think they're a very they're a very interesting team, with a bright future and with good draft picks. I think you can definitely flip the switch. High ceiling, high ceiling team. You got a high ceiling team in Chicago, and they can flip the switch with one guy. Especially in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, yeah, the Eastern Conference. It it won't take much. What about the Knicks? What are we seeing out of them? People are saying they're going to get the number one pick. I, I'm sure everyone's saying the same thing. Zion, what are, what are we thinking? Zion Williamson. It's got to be. It's, it's I hot take. What's our okay? My opinion, Zion Williamson, number one pick. Are you on board with that? How could you not pick him first overall? We're on board. Zion Williamson. He's proven himself to be well above, you know, the number one pick, but. He is, he is going to be the number one pick. I mean, he's single-handedly changing he's NBA he's rules. He's he's the one keeping Adam Silver up at night. Yeah. If if anybody, I mean, having to even consider changing the age limit in the NBA, that's all because of Zion mm-hmm. and you know the whole storyline behind him getting injured, him just demolishing his shoe oh. in game against North Carolina. Because what if that was a career-ending injury oh and we never got to see Zion Williamson play in the NBA? I mean, that would be tragic. That would be tragic. And I think the market is right for Zion, you know? 
New Especially York, at big MSG. Apple, yeah. Madison Square Garden. To see Zion cock his arm back and just slam it down on people is just it's he's the most athletic person I've ever seen on a basketball court and that's just that's just a fact, I think. That's just my opinion. So you add Zion to the Knicks system. Mm-hmm. You already have Dennis Smith Jr. and DeAndre Jordan. Mm-hmm. You just got them from the Mavs. You know, maybe DeAndre Jordan, he, he's obviously not going to be a priority in the offseason. Maybe they'll let him go. But Kevin Knox, I think he's still injured. I'd have to double-check on that. But Kevin Knox, a Kentucky product, he's going to be really good. He's a young rising star. And Alonzo Trier, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he went undrafted. The Knicks signed him, and then he has just made an immediate impact. Well, the thing that's rare in the Knicks' case is how much cap space they will have this offseason. I mean, DeAndre Jordan is their most expensive player, and it's not even close. Everybody else is like rookie contracts or veterans minimum contracts. So it's you got so much money. You got Zion available, and then you got two or three guys that you can studs that you can pull out. So it'll be really interesting to see what the Knicks pull out of their, you know, what they have on up their sleeve. I'd love to see, you know, some stars go play in the Big Apple. I think it's just, it's just how it should be. They have the potential for something special. For sure. And because they're so bad right now, there's no reason for them to put on a good put out a good starting five to win ball games. There's no reason to. Why? You got you got to tank. I'm sorry. You have to, and that's what they're doing. They're doing a really good job of it too. If I have to add, <laughs> and you got to get the number one pick, and you got to get Zion Williamson. Go make some moves in the off season, and your future is looking bright. What do you say we transition our discussion to the Western Conference? Yeah, the West West Coast, Best Coast, baby. I mean, the West is so much better than the East, and. It's not even close. It's like night and day. It's night and day. It's east and west. And let's get into the Warriors. I mean, the defending champs back-to-back, right? I mean, who's going to knock them off? Who's going to knock them off the top of the basketball throne? Uh, We will see. Nobody. 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 That's that's your take? The way it's looking. The way it's looking. Probably. And, you know, the Warriors... This is this is an interesting team at this point in time because they're not clicking. No. They're not firing on all cylinders like some teams in the NBA. They're actually in a bit of a slump right now. They're in a defensive slump. They lost by 33 points at home against the Celtics on Tuesday. That was their fifth loss in eight games, and that was their worst home loss in the Steve Kerr era. Mm. That speaks volumes right there. The defense is struggling, to say the least. A lot of people are putting the heat on Boogie Cousins. Draymond has come to his defense and said that Boogie is not to blame. But this is an interesting story to monitor as the playoffs approach. This has not been the same Warriors team that we've seen in the past. You know, obviously you're not going to see the 72-9 and again. But, I mean, last year and the year prior, they just seemed so, like, balanced and just perfect in a way. And it seems like they're kind of, they're human. 
it seems like they're this year they 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 look human at times. They've fallen back to earth. Yes, that's finally right. Even though Steph is dropping nearly thirty points a game, KD is doing his thing. Clay is doing. I mean, has it's just, K has KD passed LeBron as the best player in the league? No. I I think that KD's time is coming. KD will soon surpass LeBron. I'm gonna that, say. King James is still the king. Right now. Right now. I, I'm right still now. Gonna, I'm still going to go with LeBron, but even I'm, though the Lakers suck. I'm going to give KD just a little more time until he's the best we'll player see. in the okay, NBA. Okay, okay, we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to disagree with you on that. But going back to the Warriors, they do not look like the same team that they have had in the past. And they really need to go back to their roots, meaning what is their team built on? Steph, Clay, Draymond. That's what it is. It's not like Boogie Cousins, I think, in my opinion, I think he's a distraction. I really do. On and off the court, the dude is, he's a, he's a drama queen, and he gets text left and right. You know, I think, that, I think that could be a problem. I really do. And, you know, you look at the team that was 72-9, all draft picks, all homegrown. That was a loaded team. And then you add KD. I think that's the perfect guy to add. Don't go overboard with it. I think they might have gotten overboard with it, and I think they might have gotten this, let this team go out of control. I don't know. I mean, the Warriors are so good, and they're playing like there's teams that could catch them when they're in reality. Nobody should catch the Warriors. That's how that's that's what it's like right now. I think that they are being exposed right now. We are seeing their vulnerabilities at the moment, but I'll lay it all out on the line. A little more passion. Look like you want to be there. Amp up the intensity, and they'll be just fine. They'll be hoisting the trophy at the end of the season. That's the scary thing, though. Just put a little more effort into it. Act like you want to be there. Care a little more. Mm. And you can run away with the league. You could go 16-0 and in the playoffs. That's what I'm saying. They're playing like it's, people it's can unbelievable. catch them. When in reality, nobody should be close. And the Warriors are still playing like... C minus basketball right now, and they're still the favorite to win the NBA trophy. Isn't check, that crazy? Check yourself before you wreck yourself, Golden Ooh, State. What up, Ice Cube? That was filthy. <laughs> okay, okay. I think the Warriors. There's literally there should be nobody that should catch them. And right now, ugh, the fact that people we might we're having this discussion that the Nuggets the might, Nuggets are a game back. They should not be anywhere near the Warriors with their talent, but they're a game back. Oh my gosh. Golden State, get your act together. Check yourself and before you wreck yourself. I, I can't claim that. That's you. That's, that was beautiful. But Don't let this get out of hand. No, no. Because you slip up and you're looking up at the Denver Nuggets mm-hmm. in a matter of games. There's little room for air. Honestly, at the end of the day, though, no matter what seed the Warriors are in the playoffs, I still think they'll run the table. Yeah, that's the that, that's, thing. That, that's the that's the thing that you know you just have to come full circle to and just recognize that they'll be here at the end of this. We got to see someone knock them off first. One right. more note to add about the Golden State Warriors: Andrew Bogut is making his return to the NBA. Mm-hmm. He's making his return to Oracle Arena. He finished his season in Australia. You know he was balling out and. Uh, you know, it's it was kind of funny. He said in an interview, he's more than you know, he's more than willing to just sit there for 20 games and just wave a towel. 
Mm-hmm. You know, he, he just wants to be a part of something special, and that just goes to show the confidence that he has in the Warriors and what they're putting together for this uh, for this stretch at the end of the season, and that you know he was that he's willing to finish up a season in Australia and you know leave that league and come straight to the NBA. Mm-hmm. That says something. Yeah, hundred percent does. What about the Denver Nuggets? They are the most underrated team in the NBA, headlined by Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, and Paul Millsap. What are you thinking out of Denver? Their game behind the Warriors, do you think they could catch them? Do you think if the Warriors' struggles continue so bad, do you think the Nuggets can actually trump them and get the number one spot? Well, like I said, I don't think seeding matters when it comes to the NBA playoffs, but there's no question that the Nuggets... Of, it's a little bit of a morale boost, though. Right. I mean, right. No, confidence. No, that's a, that's a valid point. Uh, they actually play at... Oracle Arena against the Warriors tomorrow night at 10:30. Mm. So I would I would love to tune in to that game because I think that that is that's not just one out of your 82 games of the season. This means a little more. Oh yeah, one. This is two. a this is a statement game. This is a gut check, to say the least. I mean, for both squads, it shows the Nuggets. Hey, we belong to be here, and it shows the Warriors. Let's just let's just do our stuff. And these guys shouldn't even come close. So it's it's I, I can't wait to watch that game. I can't wait to see the highlights. I mean, the Nuggets. Let's just talk about the Nuggets here. So good. I mean, Nikola Jokic is like a point guard in a center's body. You know what I mean? He's he's so talented. He's a five-tool player. He does it all. Extremely versatile. And, you know, you asked me, do I think the Nuggets can trump the Warriors? To answer that question, no. But the Nuggets are a threat. They are for real. And I think it starts... Obviously, it starts with the product out on the floor. But Mike Malone has done an amazing job as head coach of this team. I, I, I think it was great to see he and his staff coaching Team LeBron at the All-Star Game and for all of those festivities and that weekend. I mean... Like uh, like the Brooklyn Nets, it's the, it's the little things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the little things that come together to create, you know, a, a happy franchise, a happy locker room, a happy coaching staff. And you have Paul Millsap, the veteran, holding down the fort, mm-hmm. you know, keeping everybody in check. Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. I mean, we've seen him drop 50 in a playoff series. Yeah, we have. Not saying that'll happen again, but... You know, he's not a bad there, done that. not a bad guy to have coming off the bench. And just looking towards the future, what happens when Michael Porter Jr. Oh, is yeah. added to the equation I and comes back him. from injury? Hopefully he that man can get healthy because he is something else, man. I mean, one of the f- most freak athletes you'll ever see on a basketball court. I can't wait to see him in a Nuggets uniform, healthy and ready to go. I think he'll be a great addition to that Denver Nuggets lineup. What about Houston? What have we seen out of there? I mean, James Harden, CP3, great duo, but I have a question for you to start things off. Is James Harden doing too much? Does he have too much control? Is he scoring too much? Is he ruining the offense? What's your, what's your take on that? No, he's not, he's not ruining anything. Um, he's doing what he is asked to do. I don't think he's... Mm. 
it's hard to say that he's not playing outside of himself because, you know, he's taking so many shots a game. But that run that he went on in December, I don't even I don't even know. His, his stats were just unheard of. He, he averaged like over 40 a night. Like that one month. It was like 40, 40, 40, 50, you know? It was it was insane and I I kind of was on that hype train that like this guy's automatic MVP shut it down, but the more I see, it's like it's kind of a detriment. I my take is I think it's detrimental to the team a little bit. I think it kind of ruins the flow of the offense, and I think you see too many guys standing around when you know there could be an open shot or a better shot. I think James Harden's doing a great job. I think he's the best offensive player, one of the best offensive players of all time. But I think. Like Kobe Bryant said that he doesn't think Houston will go far and win a ring with this type of offense that they're having right now with James Harden with having having 100% control. And I got to agree with him. I don't think they're going to win any rings doing this offense. No, they're not going to win any rings. And for James Harden, this style of play and the tear that he went on earlier in the season with that what was it, the 31-game streak of 30-plus mm-hmm. points? That's incredible. That was good for James Harden. Yeah. Because he loves the attention. He loves the spotlight. But for the Houston Rockets as a whole, that's not that's not the best brand of basketball. They weren't doing so well, and they were barely beating like bad teams. I remember they beat the Knicks by, like, two. And James Harden had, like, 60 points. Like, that is not good. They're barely beating teams. They're not really beating, you know, good teams. I mean, they're kind of scraping by. You know, it's, I don't know, I just think... he He's needed to step up and perform at that level because of the absences of Clint Capella and Chris Paul. I think that's ultimately what we have to come back to. It's just, it's... He's performing when his number is called upon. Yeah. And with guys out, you know, Sometimes who, who else do, do you turn to than James Harden on the Rockets? Yeah. I think I, I'm i not hating on James. He's a spectacular player. But I think Mike D'Antoni needs to do something else in that offense to inquire more people. Well, like we said earlier, let's put things into perspective. The Rockets were once sitting in 14th place in the West. Now, they head back to Houston, back to H-Town, in a three-way tie for third place in the conference. Mm. They've won their past six, and that includes wins over the Warriors, Celtics, and the Raptors, and they play the 76ers tomorrow night. This is a huge opportunity to gain momentum and to solidify their spot in the Western Conference as the playoffs get closer. Mm -hmm. I think adding Austin Rivers, Iman Shumpert to the team, those were big acquisitions. Gerald Green is an energy guy. I love watching Gerald Green play. He's a freak athlete as well. And Eric Gordon, he's one of the best shooters in the entire league. People sleep on him. And, you know, I don't think he gets enough love in that Houston lineup. I think he needs to rock more. And Chris Paul, he's one of the best distributors in the game. I mean, it it feels like... You know, you gotta dish it out more. I feel like you got great weapons. Do what they were doing a few years ago when they were number one seed. You know, James Harden was—he was still getting like thirty points 
but it was like a better and more efficient, and it was a squad versus like a bunch of guys. More of a balanced attack. Exactly. That's what that's what we're going for. One more thing to add for the Houston Rockets, probably a little fact that people should put on their calendar that they might not know about. A couple days ago, the NBA announced that the Rockets and the Raptors will play two preseason games in Tokyo, Japan in October. And that'll be the first time that two teams have played in Japan since 2003. Mm. Mark that on your calendars. Yes, that's preseason basketball. That's just a fun venue and uh, an opportunity for guys to go play elsewhere. Mm -hmm. It's expanding the game of basketball. Okay, C. What are we seeing out of them? People, I gotta. I, I was talking to Jake about this before. I didn't even know Russell Westbrook had a triple double. A- averaging, he was averaging a triple double. I didn't even know that, and that's that's shameful that ESPN isn't marketing that. He's people. This isn't normal, guys. This is not normal to average a triple double. Stop acting like it is. The man is one of the most accomplished basketball players of all time. Doing this, and I think I just had to start off by saying that he needs credit for that. Jake, going to going to Paul George because I know you love him, but I just had to talk about Russell Westbrook. Paul George, I could talk about PG thirteen. On and on and on, he is the man. I think that Russell Westbrook has taken a back seat to Paul George in OKC. Yes, Russ is averaging a triple double. His play has not declined the least bit. He is unreal when he attacks the basket. A very hard force to stop. But Paul George, I just need to jump ahead on our agenda here real quick. Paul George, spoiler alert, he's on my MVP radar. He's on my Defensive Player of the Year radar. He could be even thrown in the conversation for Most Improved Player he could be the triple crown winner of the NBA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul George is playing better than he ever has before. And a lot of people were questioning his decision to come back to OKC. You know, why didn't he go to LA? Why didn't he go start up another super team elsewhere? But Paul George, and I feel like he doesn't get enough love. Nope, not at all. I think Paul George is, like you said, he's playing like vintage Indiana Pacers basketball. That was Paul George when he was taking on LeBron. Pre-injury, Paul yes, George. Yes, yes, And I'm so happy to say that he's back, and he's back where he, he was. And he is a stud, and I'm really happy to see that Paul George is back where he kind of left off. You know, he's, he's finally back. And like you said, he's in the MVP discussion, as he should be. I don't think he's going to be—he's not my MVP, but he is— outstanding, and the fact that Russell Westbrook and Paul George are on the same squad in OKC is remarkable. We need to keep in mind that Russ needs to tone things down a little bit. A couple nights ago, just two minutes into the game, he got teed up, and it was kind of funny. He said, I was was just talking to myself, but whether whether that was the case or not, he needs to be careful. That was his 14th tech of the year, and once you reach 16, you have to serve an automatic one-game suspension. So Russ needs to keep himself on the court because OKC, they need to keep this mojo going. I feel like five techs throughout a year is like plenty, max. And the fact that this man has 14 is like, you gotta, you gotta respect his passion. I respect that. 
I respect that. I think I think Russell Westbrook is a passionate player, and I'm glad he's in the NBA. I think he's good for the NBA. Shout out triple doubles too. OKC has one of the best glass cleaners in the league. Steven Adams, another mm. underrated player. OKC, they're second in the league for rebounds per game, and I think he's the main reason why. Mm-hmm. Almost 50 rebounds per game for the team as a whole. But Steven Adams is, has a big chunk of that. I mean, he's a he's a warrior. He is a... He will not back down to anybody. Nope, nope. And he's very he's very accomplished and as, as a basketball player. I mean, he's very well-rounded. Uh, I think that's a better way of saying that. Towards the beginning of his career, he was kind of bad. And now he's well-rounded. He's He affects the game. He's got a 60% field goal percentage. That is remarkable. Averaging about 15 points a game, 10 rebounds, and a block. Very efficient. He provides for his team. Great player. He's an energy giver, not an energy taker. Great player to have on your squad. And he's willing to play the big minutes. This year, he's averaging 34 minutes per game and... In his other years of his career, he played on average 26 minutes. Mm -hmm. He stepped into a larger role, and he's taking full advantage of this opportunity. Shout out Steven Adams. Wouldn't want to try to block to box him out. That is just a matchup nightmare. And then Dennis. Imagine his quads, hard as rock. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, Dennis Schroeder, he's been very effective. He's learned his role and accepted it as the sixth man, and he's been uh, he's been effective to say the least. And Hamidou Diallo, winning the dunk contest, the little little uh, vintage Vince Carter dunk contest tribute. Yeah, I appreciated that. I love when people say that it was a horrible dunk contest. I'm like, oh, uh, I'd like to see you do one of those things. Before you criticize how athletic these guys are, I mean, as try for, touching the rim. Try touching the rim before you criticize the guy doing like a seven twenty twist reverse, jumping over three between people, the legs over a car, blindfolded, taking a self. Like no, shut up. <laughs> like these guys are freaks. That's facts. Back it up, okay? That's facts. Okay. Thunder, they could make some noise. No pun intended. Oh. Oh, that was. Hey. I like that. That's that that's good. smooth. Yeah, I yeah that's, I think that's OKC, a heads up play. I think yeah, I think OKC has as much potential as two and three, the Nuggets and the Rockets to to see the Warriors in the conference finals. I think they got they're right there. Ooh, I think I I would like that. Just I hate I love I I'm, I absolutely love when Katie and uh, Russ play against each other, especially when it's an OKC. I just. I just love watching that because I think Kevin Durant's a little bit of a snake. Gets your blood flowing. Yeah, Kevin Durant's a snake, and gets I love it, when gets people it fired expose up. him for it. Tickles your fancy? I guess so. <laughs> All right, Portland. Portland Trailblazers. What are we seeing out of the most quiet franchise in the NBA? Folks, you know the drill with the Blazers. Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, they run the show with a little Yusuf Nurkic sprinkled in there. But to me... It just doesn't seem like this core will ever be able to get the job done. Yeah. I think Dame Lillard is literally unreal, and I think C.J. McConnell is a stud as well. They got one of the best one-two combos 
probably the most underrated duo in the NBA. I think you could say that. I would agree with that. And Up there. Yes, and Yusuf Nurkic is a very good player, but they need one more guy. They need one more guy to make it a complete... Imagine if LaMarcus Aldridge never oh, left town. Oh my gosh, Imagine yeah. that. Yeah, now, I was actually going to say that. Okay, they would be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, yeah. And like, I'm thinking like a Tobias Harris type guy put in Portland, make a complete team. Don't get, put in like a get, superstar, but like... You either need a stud small forward or a superstar power forward. Yeah, and, then, and then it just rounds out the team and it's very equal and it's very unselfish. That's what it needs to be. If Lamar, I really, really don't like. We're gonna talk about the Spurs in a minute, but I really wish Lamarcus Aldridge never left to go there, because I think oh, the Trailblazers have so much potential. And could you imagine that would be a great trio? Do you think he? Do you think he regrets that a little bit? I no. I don't know. Well, I don't. I don't think there. he regrets it for one second because when he left. It was the right it, decision. It was time. the right decision, yeah. and Damian Lillard, I don't even know if he was in the league when Aldridge left. I think he was. I think they Maybe in his opening year Maybe or something. Maybe he was like he rookie coming out of Weber State, yeah. Side story. My dad actually met LaMarcus Aldridge really? one time. I think they were, like, the Trailblazers, I think he was still playing for Portland, and mm-hmm. they were in New Orleans, I believe, for a matchup with the Pelicans, or maybe they were even still the Hornets back then. But Lamarcus Aldridge and my dad were both in the computer room, and I don't even know, I don't, I don't know if they got talking or, or whatever it was. But then my dad comes home and he's like, "Oh yeah, this big basketball player, you know, wearing a where where did he go to school? Did he go to Texas? He went to Texas, yeah. Texas Longhorns sweatshirt, definitely a basketball guy. I think Portland was in was in town, and I was like." Do you realize who you just talked to? Lamarcus Aldridge. That's Lamarcus Aldridge. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. That's a cool little story right there. Had to add that in there. Yeah. Uh, I really wish that he never left, but I understand why he did it. Makes sense. But go back to Portland. And it's really unfair that people on the East Coast never really get to see Portland unless they're playing your squad, you know? Because they always play at like 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock every night. We never get to see them. We never get to see Damian Lillard drop 28 points a game. He's been doing this his whole career, folks. Most underrated point guard in the NBA. Straight up. You know, you bring up the point that people on the East Coast can't watch the Blazers, but if I was Portland, I I don't know if I would want all those East Coast people watching them. Just a couple games ago, they lost to the Grizzlies. And it's... It's just unfortunate. I understand that Mike Connolly scored a career-high 40 points, but when the headline is consistently, you know, McCollum's 35 or Lillard's 40, not enough in Blazers' loss, That's not I don't know if I want people watching that. Yeah, that just shows that they need one more guy, you know? A duo can't do it all. Why not a trio? Marcus Aldrich, please come back. If you're listening, come back to Portland. It's just a much better fit, and it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do in your heart. Go do it. <laughs> a little hometown reunion. Yeah, that dude. That'd be sick if they got Lamarcus Aldridge. They would. That would be how hype. good of a trio would that be? That's what they need. You literally just said McConnell and Lillard. McCollum. Mc, yeah. Uh, Same thing. Same whatever. Thing. They their duo isn't enough to get through. You know, get one more, then you even it out, then it's more spread and. Boom, you got W's instead of L's. 
There you, there you have it. Yeah. Anyways, uh, moving on to Utah. This is the Donovan Mitchell show. This is his world, and we're just living in it, folks. I mean, this man is the star in Utah, and he is, he's having a great year again. I mean, no one-year wonder. He is the man, and him with Joe Ingles and Rudy Gobert, it's a solid squad he got in Utah. They're very, very complete, and, you know, they're, it's just, I don't, I don't know if they're ready yet to make the next step. You know, right now they're sixth in the West. I don't know if they'll ever, they might stay there for a while unless they make some moves, but what are you seeing out of them? I think the Utah Jazz are one of those teams that will be a nice test for the teams mm. that actually stand a chance at winning something. That's fair. I think they're a good test for a team like the Rockets or the Nuggets or mm. even the Warriors in the playoffs. They're That's a, an excellent They're point. a test. Donovan Mitchell, don't forget that he outdueled Giannis a couple nights ago. They completed a 17-point comeback, and Mitchell scored a career-high 46 points. Yeah. He dropped a 46-piece on the Bucks. Um, Donovan Mitchell, you have Rudy Gobert leading the defensive the side tower. of things. He is stifle tower, baby. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's how we do it. I think saying that they're a test is the best way to describe the Utah Jazz. They are a very good team, but they're not going to, like, you know, they're not out to kill. They're kind of out to, to, to stay alive, if you know what I mean. They're not out to go get it, go get that championship. They're kind of, like, surviving another day. Barely in the playoffs, you know? The West Conference, it's cutthroat. So, you know a guy on that roster that you can't take a snooze on? Who's that? Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles, yeah. He, Joe Ingles. It's it's remarkable how little he jumps in his jump shot. Have you ever seen that? It's like he barely, he, his feet barely touch the ground or leave the ground. This man is a corner specialist. He will spark up in your face. Yeah. No cap. Mm. Like, he will rise up and just... Drain it. He needs more swag, though. Like he's yeah, yeah. He's I feel pretty. like he's like he's a he's gumpy. He is gumpy. He's gumpy. Like that's what it he's, is. He's one of the best shooters in the league. He also, doesn't get talked mm-hmm. about at all. He also can dish. Have you seen him? Like he's got. Oh, dude, those like, those lefty like those lefty handles. Then mm-hmm. like no look passes. Yeah, like, he's, he's those low don't key. those don't go unnoticed for me. Yeah, but the thing that gets me going is he's he's just a a large man with. Black shoes and white socks, which is the worst combo Ew. that someone can Ew. wear. You gotta go solid Ew. color. That's like that's the definition of gumpy. Yeah, yeah, that's just it's really bad. And he needs. Let's get this man a stylist. Yeah, stylist one hundred and one, man. I mean, he's got the talent. He does not have the the swagger and the finesse to be elevate his game to the to next elevate level. His game off the court. I think that's what we're looking for. All right, moving on to the Spurs. Uh, what are you thinking? I need to go off on the Spurs. I kind of hate them, just low-key. I don't hate them, but just give me a couple seconds okay. to go on a rant here. The floor is yours. I'm kind of tired of seeing the Spurs in the playoffs. They just aren't that fun to watch. I appreciate the dynasty. I'm a DeMar DeRozan fan. LaMarcus Aldridge is one of the more versatile bigs. And obviously, Coach Popovich is an all-time great. But with all that being said, I'm tired of their brand of basketball. It just feels sluggish. It just feels 
it, it's you know it's unlike any other team in the NBA. Yeah, they're not. It they haven't changed with the rest of the NBA, and maybe that's working out for them because obviously they're currently the seventh seed in the Western Conference in a cutthroat Western Conference. They're still winning games, but it's they're not playing today's brand of basketball. They're not playing point. 2019 NBA basketball. I much rather see a high-flying team like the Sacramento Kings or even the LA Lakers or let's throw in a fully healthy Dallas Mavericks team. I much rather see these teams play over the San Antonio Spurs. Mm-hmm. All, they they bore the me. Any day of the week, I can't They put me to sleep. More. I think the problem with a dynasty like this is that when you get low draft picks every year, they add up, man. I mean, the Spurs, congratulations, you're 7th in the in the West. That's not an accomplishment. The goal of every team is to win the Larry O'Brien trophy. And the fact that the Spurs are stuck in this like you said sluggish, gross brand of basketball, I don't like it and I would I really feel bad for DeMar DeRozan. You can just tell that his spirit isn't, it's not, I don't know, it doesn't seem to be in fully invested in San Antonio. I know I don't know the guy, but I sure would not want to be in San Antonio. I think they have no future. I think they're living in the moment rather than thinking about the, the future. And you got to, as a franchise, you always got to look at the future. And San Antonio's living right now. DeMar DeRozan is probably still in his feels after getting mm-hmm. traded from Toronto. And I can't blame the guy. He and Kyle Lowry were best friends. He was invested in in the six. And then he gets shipped off to San Antonio. And we talk about, you know, looking towards the future and making moves and stuff. But I'll tell you something that hurts if you're the Spurs. You know, they just waived Pau Gasol. But they still have a nearly $16 million Dollar cap hit this season and five million for the next season just because of Paul Gasol's contract. That was a waste. That's a win that they got rid of him. That's a win that they got rid of him. But how about this salary cap hit? Yeah, that's a major loss. Yeah, I don't know why they got they signed Paul Gasol to this ridiculous, oh, expensive pot. Um, uh, this gap that they made. I don't know. It's, I think it's silly. That they yeah. would even think of signing him. He's he's old and well, it was a, it was wasn't. a couple off seasons off seasons ago. But even then, you could see the right. You have on the to wall. see the trajectory. Yeah, I mean the Spurs. I'm I'm not a fan of the Spurs. I think they're like you said, boring, and this is a result of, you know, making the playoffs every year. Congratulations, you're seventh and eighth, and you're gonna stick there until you you have to go down and build your way up. That's how it works. All right, finally. Out of the teams that make the playoffs, the Clippers are right now sitting in the eighth seed. What are we seeing out of them? Very, very interesting. You know, they're not, they're kind of like all pretty good versus there's no like premier stars, right? This is a weird situation that the Clippers are in right now. I don't really know what to say when it comes to the Clippers. I miss the Lob City days, yeah. honestly. That, that was just... I mean, talk about a great brand of basketball, that unlike was, the Spurs. Can't beat that. DeAndre Jordan, Chris DeAndre Paul, Jordan, CP3, Blake, Blake Griffin. Griffin throwing lobs to each mm. other. 
However, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love having Blake yeah. here in the Motor City. Yeah, yeah. But it's hard to tell what direction this franchise is going in. Mm-hmm. You know, you send away Tobias Harris, and yes, you get you get a, a solid return, and you know you have Landry Shamet, who's you know he's a, he's a rookie, but he's playing like a seasoned veteran right about now. Shy Gilgis Alexander, he runs the point quite well. Patrick Beverly, he will get under your skin, just like a Marcus Smart type of attitude, mm-hmm. mindset that he brings to the table. He's one of the most tenacious defenders in the league. You know, you get Zubac from the Lakers. You know, he just had to switch. He just had to switch locker rooms yeah. over there in, in the Staples That's Center. I but he, I, I saw a quote that he said he was so much happier now that he's with the Clippers rather than the Lakers. It's just, it's like a different brand of basketball. So that probably says more about the Lakers than the Clippers. He, Speaks volumes. In my opinion. Speaks volumes. Lou Williams. Seems like he always wins the Sixth Man of the Year award. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Lou Williams award right now. It, that's, it's, you know, it's Lou Williams, Eric Gordon, and Jamal Crawford. Mm-hmm. For how many years has it been just bouncing back and forth hot between minute. those three A guys? Hot minute. They have a nice core. And with some money well spent in the offseason... You attract some superstars. Who doesn't want to come play in L.A.? Right. We could be seeing the Clippers close to the top of the Western Conference in the near future. Like you said, this is a very unique situation, and it's it's weird. They're not, like, old and, you know, kind of going to if the If anything, ends. they're very young. They're very young, and I'd like to see a young 8 versus an old 7 seed. You know what I mean? The Spurs are an old 7. The Ratty, you know, they're kind of getting, they're grinding down. The Clippers are on the the way up. The trajectory of the Clippers in the future is, in my opinion, and I think you're on board with this, quite bright. Well, it's all 100% dependent on what they do in the offseason. Yeah. Because if you can't bring big names to your roster, then you're going to, you know, you're going to have to develop your young pieces and the core that you have right now. But you can flip a switch in the offseason, and maybe you bring in a Kawhi Leonard, and then he recruits somebody else. Yeah, yeah. And then you're looking at an L.A. Clippers team that will compete with the Rockets, the Nuggets, the Warriors. It's a game of dominoes. Once you get one, the pieces start to come with you. You know? It's the name of the game, Alex. Mm-hmm. It's the name of the game. What are we thinking about the Sacramento Kings? It's talking about an exciting young team that has a high ceiling what do we think sacramento kings you know i don't mind this kings team obviously this isn't their year but if i'm them i'm okay they're sitting at about they're sitting at 500 right now with a 32 and 32 record you've got young guns all over the place i love the way that deer and fox is continuing to develop i think he's taken one of the bigger leaps out of all of the rising stars this year Buddy Heald is a sharpshooter. He'll get it done from any range. I like the move to trade for Harrison Barnes. I think that was a smart, strategic move at the at the deadline. And the low post is set for a long time. A three-headed monster, Willie Cauley-Stein, Marvin Bagley III, and Harry Giles III. Mm. All from Blue Bloods, Kentucky, and two Duke guys. Yeah, yeah. But don't be surprised 
if they start making playoff runs in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't agree more. I think, uh, like you said, Marvin Bagley, De'Aaron Fox, Harry Giles. <clears throat> There's guys with talent there. Bogdan Bogdanovich. Yes. Very good player. Sacramento has a lot of weapons that they've been, you know, they, they've they've been bad for a while. And the fact that Sacramento, you know, they got rid of Boogie, great, great move there. They kind of, they seem like they're clearly going in the right direction. And I'm really happy. Uh, Sacramento's got a lot of young guys that were like all college All-Americans, and they're all in the same squad now. And look what they're doing. Exciting, talented, and young, and inexperienced. That's the only thing they're lacking right now. If they can develop a good core, watch out. Speaking of cool uniforms, like the Brooklyn Nets oh, alternates, yeah. how about the uniform the black, combinations the black. that the Kings put together? Mm-hmm. I love the purple. The, black, the purple, purple, the black, the, the white. gray, the white. I yeah. don't know. They've got Great it going combo. on over there in Sa- Sacramento. They do. The, the combo, they've kind of rebranded, you know? You know, if, if the play doesn't work out on the court, at least you've got sweet unis. Yeah, yeah. You've got, at the end of the day, you've got one thing going for you. Yeah. Unis, that's the one constant. Mm-hmm. I remember, like... Look at like 2010 Sacramento Kings uniforms. They're brutal. And look at the rebranding that they've done in Sacramento. They've gotten a brand new arena. They sell out every night. And it's a beautiful, beautiful place. I've seen the facilities. And Sacramento's in it for the long haul. And it's really obvious. And they have guys around them to make them the long haul worthwhile. I have a question for you. Hit me. This will probably be... I expect this to be a big debate. Yeah. I expect you to have an opposing opinion. Who will be better in the future? Who has a higher ceiling? Marvin Bagley III or Luka Doncic? Two rookies. Oh. I have a feeling that we're going to disagree on this one. Okay, okay. Um. Well, I got to say... Both players are are playing tremendous basketball this season. But I'm going to go with Luka Doncic, and let me tell you why. I think Luka Doncic, and looking at the two, Marvin Bagley is one of the most athletic players in the NBA. He is. He's 6'11", and he jumps out of the gym. He also has the skill set of like a point guard. He's got great handles, a great shot. He's a freak. But athleticism isn't the most important thing for a basketball player. You know, it's a great attribute to have, but Luka Doncic is a pure basketball player. He's got an outstanding IQ. He's got great handles. He's got great post moves. He's got a great overall sense of the game. And I think you can just see right now, he is it. He has it. He's got the basketball ability to be one of the greats. And for that reason, I think Luka Doncic is more of a pure basketball player rather than a freak athlete. I'm not saying Marvin Bagley is just a freak athlete, but, you know, come four or five years from now, my money's on Luka Doncic to be one of the best players in the NBA. I think that you need to take a step back. Why? Why I I think you need to hold your horses for a hot second here. Make me. I would argue that Marvin Bagley has a higher ceiling than Luka Doncic. Okay. You mentioned that Luka is making a massive impact. You know, he is a great basketball player. Here's why. Luca's experience playing overseas had him better prepared 
to make an immediate impact in the NBA. Okay, and Marvin Bagley playing at Duke didn't? Not like the pros overseas. Okay. That's different basketball. I believe that Bagley's size, speed, and athleticism will prove to be superior. Okay. On the surface, Doncic may appear to be better, but that's because of his workload. So far this year, he's averaging around eight more minutes a game, but when you look at the advanced stats and the efficiency rating, Bagley is actually better than Luka Doncic. Mm-hmm. Straight up. Straight up, okay. That's if We're talking about ceiling. Marvin Bagley's got a higher ceiling than Luka Doncic. I think in an athletic sense, yes, but I think as a true basketball player, give me Luka Doncic. I think he's more complete. And I think I think he has the ability to be the man in Dallas and then put one more guy. Oh, he's got Chris Tapps. I think they could literally go for a ring. I think we haven't obviously we haven't seen it, but I think you develop that. I think it's nasty. But how much more can Luka Doncic develop? I think he's a rookie. I mean, he can okay, develop. Okay, but but we can only get better. We've seen many of the things that he has in his repertoire. Already this yeah. year, the step back teams well, will be able to identify that move and shut that down. Well, instead of he's got to come up with something instead new. Instead of averaging eighteen points a game, he'll get twenty five. I mean, like you can get better in that sense. Instead, he'll become a better passer. He'll his driving will be better. I mean, there's millions of ways you can get better. I mean, you can if you drive. Oh, then you got to worry about that. You can shoot. Well, you got to worry. You know what I mean? There's things that he he can just be sharp at and everything. You can always get better. I think he might become predictable one day. Okay, that's one day. Fair. And I'll I'll come back to it. Ceiling. Potential. I think Marvin Bagley has a higher ceiling than Luka Doncic. All right. Well, how about we do this? How about we put it on Instagram, put a poll, who has a bigger ceiling? Luka Doncic or Marvin Bagley? I would love to hear from the fans and our followers. That would that's a really good poll. No, the fans I feel like we're gonna have like a bunch. Of, we're gonna have a bunch of hype beasts out there that are gonna ride the wave of Luka no! Doncic, and they're gonna hop on the bandwagon because he's got a sweet step back that can pull from forty feet and drain a shot in, in the crunch time. But if you're a real one out there, Marvin Bagley, higher ceiling. All right. Well, let's leave it to the fans. How about that? Let's leave it to the fans. All right. What about the Lakers? What are we seeing out of them? There's, there's been many analysts that say it's a toxic culture going on there. Uh, you saw it last night. Rajon Rondo was sitting like 10 seats away from his bench. He was sitting next to two chains, actually. He was in the crowd. And I think that kind of sums things up. LeBron is acting kind of weird as of late. You know, he's not playing defense. He says he's all playoff mode activated. Well, there's been several times where, you know, his teammates literally had to shove him to play defense. Kyle Kuzma shoved him from the back to play defense. There was a video of him it's, rebounding a ball. Well, it's because, it's because LeBron James wouldn't close out on, I don't even know who it was, but he wouldn't close out on somebody that was shooting mm-hmm. a three-pointer. Mm-hmm. And when you have a young player like Kyle Kuzma shoving LeBron, who just passed Michael Jordan on the all-time scoring list, when you have Kuzma... That's weird. Shoving LBJ in the back to go close out? That's weird. The roles should be reversed. Oh, 100%. If anything. Yeah. And that Rajon Rondo story about him taking a courtside seat, for one thing, 
That was after a 16-point loss to the Nuggets. Mm -hmm. But also, that's just not a one-time thing. He said that you know he doesn't see any issues with it because he's done it 8-10 to other times Mm -hmm. this season. This is not just a right-here-right-now issue. This culture has been going on for a long time, and I don't understand... I would actually, I would love to hear what the fans think about Mm -hmm. this situation in L.A. because it's hard to tell what's going on in LeBron's mind or anybody else involved with the Lakers organization. But I can tell you one thing. The outside voices have clearly given up. Jay Williams expects a, quote, dumpster fire the rest of the season. And Jalen Rose says that the Lakers might as well try to get Zion at this point. Mm Mm-hmm. I have one word for that. What? Yikes. Yeah, I I think we have a kind of a prediction or a uh, thought to kind of th- sum up what, what's gone wrong. And I, we both agree that the Anthony Davis situation really, really hurt the Lakers internally. And the reason why, Anthony Davis, LeBron was basically ready to trade Oh, so many guys. He's ready to get rid of them to say, yeah, I don't really want you. Give me this guy. Well, that's that kind of goes against those guys, you know? That's that's going behind their back. That's, you know, it's more to the, They would have to move. They have families. That kind of ruins their, that changes their life. And the fact that LeBron was just ready to say, yeah, get him out of here just for this guy, it shows it shows volumes about, you know, how he doesn't really care. Well, it's one thing for all of those young guys to even have the feeling and to know that LeBron James has lost his confidence in you. Yeah. I mean, that I mean, that's got to that's tough mentally for one thing. And then LeBron's not the whole franchise. Right. People you have think- you have the front office and you have, you know, the GMs, the owners, the you know the advisors that they're even considering trading Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, four first-round draft picks. You know your whole bench that they're even considering trading these guys. Slap in the face to New Orleans, and then it doesn't happen, and you have to walk into Staples the next day and you know give it your all for your teammates and doesn't want your coaches and your general managers that were like openly publicly thinking of trading you no doesn't work like that no does not work like that and you're seeing the result there and it's just a it's weird lebron has had such a high character and i think we gotta get back to that i mean we're not hating on him it's just that the culture that has been put in LA is just it's not a good one right now. And LeBron's got he's a very high character guy, you know, you see what he does on and off the court, but LeBron is responsible for some of this. Do you think that this can all fall on LeBron not making the playoffs? Do you think this is a product of his behavior? I think it's a part of the Lakers aren't there yet as a talent, you know? And the West is stacked. And I think it's a mixture of not being there yet, the West is stacked, and this new toxic culture, uh, so to speak. 
yeah, I think it's I think it's a three and one type deal. I think all of that plays into it. That's what that's just how I'm feeling. I think this whole scenario and situation that we're seeing in LA I don't know. I think we can draw a connection to the lack of talent in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. This might not be a connection that people automatically take a look at, but LeBron has a way better team right now, in my opinion, than oh. what he had in Cleveland last year. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And the fact that he was able to carry that Cavs team to the finals? It says a lot. It says a lot about the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. And now that LeBron's in the West, it's not the same story anymore. No, no, it's it's depth, man. It's depth. All right, what about getting into some awards? MVP, Rookie of the Year, Sixth Man of the Year, etc. What are we thinking? Who's your MVP? My MVP, right now, hit it as we speak, mm. Paul George. Mm. I'm going to make a case for Paul George. Actually, I'm going to make a case for Paul George as MVP and Defensive Player of the okay. Year right hit it, now. Hit it. He's going to win both. Okay. Valuable. Most valuable player. I think that the Oklahoma City Thunder view Paul George as their most valuable player right now. More than Russell Westbrook. Oh my gosh, really? Yes. I, I'm, I'm not going to explain my case now, but I'm going to have to disagree with you on that. Please okay. continue. Here we go. The Thunder have a minus 11.2 net rating without George on the floor. But when he plays, that's a plus 10.4. That's a 21.6 swing in the right direction. That goes to show the type of impact that Paul George has. No other Thunder player in the rotation is even in the same vicinity as Paul George as far as that number, and to make the case for his Defensive Player of the Year award, we look at Rudy Gobert, Joel Embiid, Miles Turner, other big men, Kawhi Leonard, for these Defensive Player awards. But what Paul George is doing right now on the wing, on the perimeter, is something that we do not see every day from a small forward from a defensive standpoint. He is hard to beat off the dribble. He averages more steals per game than anybody. His deflections and loose balls recovered per game are stats that go unnoticed that shouldn't. So there's no better defensive player in the league than Paul George right now and in terms of most valuable player, Paul George is a two-way threat that nobody else uh, can even have that title in the league right now besides Paul George. Okay, okay. That was that was a two-in-one. You killed two birds and one stone with one stone with that comment. I, I respect it. Okay. Uh, my MVP, most valuable player, it's got to be Giannis Antetokounmpo. 
the dude is so valuable and important when when talking about his team, the Bucks. They're number one right now, and you can't tell me without Giannis Antetokounmpo that they are even close to being in that spot without him. And with him, they look like they could go to the, the finals right now and face Golden State. That's just the way it's looking. Giannis means so much. His plus-minus is outstanding. He is a good guy. He's a good locker room guy. There's no problems there. He, he, he builds his team up. He's a good guy to have on your squad. He's, in every single way, he's beneficial, and he's good for the squad. He can get to the rack. He's got a great shooting game, driving game. He's also like seven feet tall, most freakish guy in the NBA. Future until the Zion NBA. gets here. Until Zion, yeah. He's he's the future of the NBA. Give me Giannis. I'm so happy that he's getting his first MVP award this year. I'm confident that he'll get it. It's funny because we don't even mention James Harden in no. this conversation, but no. he has just as good of a shot as PG-13 and Giannis mm-hmm. have at winning the MVP. We could easily make a case for James Harden, but... Shout out Russ too, triple double. But there are so many guys that are deserving. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a it's up for grabs. That's what it is. Rookie of the year. I'm sure this is a. Uh, I'm sorry, this is kind of going against yourself a little bit. Who's got the higher ceiling, Jake? Luca. He's gonna get rookie of okay. the year. Okay, Luca Doncic will get rookie of the year. This is a completely different discussion. I know. I'm just trying from to... our debate regarding. <laughs> Who has a higher ceiling? Luka Doncic will win the Rookie of the Year award, and it won't even be close. Trey Young is in the conversation. Um, I don't. DeAndre Ayton is is having himself a year, and I think if Marvin Bagley was fully healthy and didn't have you know his knee issues, then he would be in this conversation as well. But undoubtedly, Luka Doncic is the Rookie of the Year. There's no two ways about it. Yeah, straight up. I cut the fat. We're going with Luca. All right, sixth man of the year. I know we got some. We're button heads a little bit. I got Lou Williams. The dude's averaging about 20 points a game. He's very beneficial to his squad, and it's the Lou Williams Award. That's what it is. He's so perfect for this role, and I'm happy that he's he's fitting it perfectly. Lou Williams, sixth man of the year. Here you go. Lou Williams, sixth man of the year. Okay. Well, I'm taking Derrick Rose as my sixth man of the year. Lou Williams is obviously a wonderful candidate for this award. It seems that he wins it every year. But Derrick Rose may be the most heartwarming story of the season. Oh, yeah. A a feel-good story. Yeah. yeah. You know. A bounce-back story. When he scored 50 points... Earlier this year, that caught my eye. That was, I think that was his defining moment of this season. That's what put him back on the map officially. And, you know, for Derrick Rose fans, for all of you who have stuck by his side through injuries, I think he's playing at an elite level and he's found his role with the T Wolves as the sixth man of the year and he's making the most of it. He's scoring 18 points per game which is the most since his 2011-12 season, and that was his last All-Star season. He's an improved three-point shooter, and his resurgence 
has been key for the Timberwolves, even though they're not that good. He's my sixth man of the year. Respect. respect. I, I, I like that. D. Rose is he's coming back. I'm happy. I hope he stays healthy. That's the number one thing. Defensive player of the year. You already got yours with Paul George, so I don't know if you want to double track on that. Uh, I got the Stifle Tower with Rudy Gobert. The dude is a rim protector. He's an X-factor. Teams have to look out for him. No easy buckets in the paint. That's who I got. Moving on to the most improved player. I'm going to go with your sixth man of the year. I'm going to go with Derrick Rose. Like you said, the 50 point, it also caught my eye. And I'm really happy for him. I mean, the dude's come back from so many injuries. I hope he can stay healthy. And he's averaging about 19, 20 points a game right now. That's that's really good. That's impressive. He's my comeback player of the year. And improved player of the year. Most improved player, I'm going with Pascal Siakam for the Toronto Raptors. I think just like De'Aaron Fox, who easily could win this award as well, has taken one of the biggest leaps this year. He's actually, Siakam is is another feel-good story, but in a different way. He hasn't really necessarily battled back from injury, but he and his talents were discovered at the 2012 Basketball Without Borders event, Mm. where he and his path to NBA stardom really took off um he's averaging around 16 points per game seven boards about three dimes per game and most improved he's i i think he's the definition of most improved he's doubled his points per game average and is uh i in my opinion an elite perimeter defender with his uh with his quick feet and reliable size so I'm going to give him my Most Improved Player Award. Mm, I like that. That was an in-depth analysis right there. Uh, a lot of guys don't know who that name is. Pascal Siakam. 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 There we go. <laughs> I just contradicted myself, man. Uh, he's a great player. I respect that. I know we both have the same coach of the year, Mike Budenholzer. Uh, Steve Kerr already has this award before, so it's good to dish it out to new people. Mike Budenholzer, the coach of the Bucks, they're number one right now. Uh, they're doing a great job, so that one clearly makes sense, and we're going to give the, the award to uh, good old Mike. So, Well, what he's been able to do with so much depth, you know, the amount, or when you have that amount of quality players, you know, that can easily work against you. Yeah. That's a lot of, that's a lot of guys that think they're deserving of minutes, you know, a, a spot in the rotation, and that's a lot of personalities to mesh into one cohesive unit. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Budenholzer has been able to, you know, lead the pack and really get everybody on board and to buy in, that's impressive. So um, I would be surprised if he doesn't win the Coach of the Year. Yeah, you, you got to give it to the one that's doing things right. And right now the Bucks are leading the pack, so it all makes sense. So yeah, that, that seems about everything that we wanted to cover. Uh, thank you guys for listening once again. Jake, I thought this was a tremendous show. I mean, we covered a lot. We didn't really get into basketball yet, so this was huge. I mean, the NBA season, it's going down, man. I mean, the playoffs are right around the corner, and a lot's been going on, so I'm happy that we got to crank this out. I mean, pretty much covered everything, and that's relevant right now. And the playoffs seem interesting. 
Uh, we're going to look to do a playoff episode soon uh, to kind of cover what's going on there. But yeah, thank you guys for listening once again. Uh, if you guys don't already follow us on Instagram and Twitter, make sure to do that. Uh, we post all the time. We want feedback from you guys, from our polls, and our DM us. I don't know. Just keep us just, active, just man. Just con- contact us. Get in yeah. touch, baby. Like, like let let's get this Connection let's get this flowing. fan interaction yes. popping here yes. a little bit. Tell us what we're doing well. Tell us what we can improve upon. Tell us some topics that you guys want us to hear. We're gonna put that out there. What topics do you guys want us to to talk about? And it's a free for all for you guys. Our goal is to cater to you guys. Yeah. This is you guys are our audience. Without you guys, we don't do what we do. Exactly. Thank you guys for listening sincerely. We have a large international fan base of countries we would never have thought would listen and we're we're grateful for that and we want to thank you guys and thank you for listening to us and if you're still listening right now, thanks for being a real one and uh, we look to keep you guys entertained and thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter once again. Till next time, Jake and I are signing off. Peace. Johnny 2.